Welcome to Eastgate Church. I trust you'll find this message inspiring and encouraging for you today. I'm going to be reading from Daniel 6 this morning, and then we'll just begin to unpack it. But let, may, may, the Lord, um, may the Lord speak to us through the reading of his word, and, um, and may he use me um, just to bring some illustrations from that this morning. So we're going to be reading from Daniel 1 to chapter 9. <clears throat> It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps and to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we can find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, of the, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and the advisors have consulted together and established a royal statute to make a firm decree that who, whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree and we'll stop there for just now i don't think we'll get to the den of lions hallelujah and so we can see here just in in this account that every king is always looking for good leaders to be faithful honest trustworthy and reliable amen even corrupt leaders want honest people working under them now this man this darius and now became king of the kingdom so they had a huge area to oversee and so you want good people in charge of the areas that you ultimately are the king over and you want honest people even corrupt kings know they know that more so than ever they don't want corrupt people working for them you want honest people you don't want people who's going to give their hands in the till they're going to be filling their bank balances with the money that was due to him so even the corrupt ones are actually better to find than the honest ones, but that's difficult to find even in these days. And I'm sure we could probably look at some of the leaders we have across, not in our own nation, but across the nations. It's amazing how when you look at some of the nations, um, I think it was Robert Mugabe had millions of pounds in foreign accounts, yet his nation was bereft and he, and he wrecked the nation, but his bank balance was pretty healthy. And we could look at many others for that case as well. So down here, men of integrity are not always easy to find but Daniel stands out, stands head and shoulders above the rest because of what it says he had an excellent spirit within him. But we know the presence of God was very much upon Daniel and everybody recognized that and he was a man of stature indeed. It says there, so it says the king then was thinking of making him the main man over the realm. Well, I want to tell you this, if you're going to have somebody working under you and you're going to make him the main man, you want to make sure that this is the right man. The man that's going to be accountable is going to be above you know, any corruption and a man that you can totally trust to be in charge of the realm. 
We know that Daniel was no stranger to being the main man. Nebuchadnezzar, as we read earlier in chapter 3, had already, or chapter 2, had already made him the main man over his empire. So Daniel had already been, had, it was second in command under Nebuchadnezzar and an earlier part of the, his history. In fact, we could probably look at, remember, Joseph comes screaming to mind as well when Pharaoh saw that the Spirit of God was very much working in Joseph, the great Pharaoh at that time, away back in the Egyptians. He made him the number one ruler under him himself and to, to make him in charge. We could probably see that with Mordecai as well, maybe to a lesser extent, but he was second to King Xerxes when he found favor with the king as well. So it's important to have godly people in high positions in government. This is why we pray and every morning when we're at church, we pray for those in power. The Bible says, pray for those in power, that God will give us godly people, honest people, people of integrity, people who will run the nation properly, justifying it and, and, and taking care of our finances and not washing it down the drain as we see so often happening. So we need to pray for that, guys. It would be good to have as good leaders, honest people that you can trust, I mean, today, can you really trust what's getting given out the mouths of our leaders, whether that's coming from Westminster or Holyrood here or even across the world? Wouldn't it be great if you had leaders that you could actually say amen, that when they spoke, you could actually say they were telling us the truth and not lying through their teeth, as old expression would go. So we can see, first of all, as soon as the rest of the leaders got wind that this man now was going to get promoted, they took humbrage with that. So the rest of them set out to find charges against him, but they found none. Now, whether that was through jealousy, through pride or envy, but the enemy was what must have thought they had seen. That, but they were thinking, we need to deal with this man. We can't have him being the number one over us because maybe they were all corrupt. That means we can't be cooking the books with Daniel's in charge because he was excellent at his job. And it says, so they looked to, to find a fault in him. Could you imagine that today in the world that we're living in, if somebody wanted to try and fault for you and they were, they were, they were looking through all your accounts, probably, probably sticking a wee bug on you, you know those films, James Bond, when you bug people and you're listening to their conversations, hiding in bushes, the paparazzi, watching every single move just to see if there's anything at all that they could find at fault with this man that they could say, well, he's, he's you know, he's, we could find fault. He's not right for the job because of this or because of that. And it says they found nothing. I don't know about you guys, but I'm telling you this, if you put a microscope on me, you'd probably find probably, probably a lot of faults. And, you know, I wouldn't like a, a, a somebody staring down me every single move you made and find fault. Uh, you'd find a lot of faults. I never claim to be perfect, but thank God there's only one who's perfect, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's nothing to really to do with us, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he stands head and shoulders above every single one of us. So we can see that now whether... They must have thought, right, the enemy must have thought, we've seen the last of Daniel, but God had still got plans for Daniel. I love that. Just before this account, when Darius made, brought Daniel back into part of the leadership, made him third, one of the three top men in the nation or over the kingdom, it says Daniel seemed to get pushed out a little bit through Belshazzar and um, after Nebuchadnezzar, and he kind of found himself in the background. But God had unfinished business with him. Now, I don't know why I should say that, but maybe there's people in here and you feel as if maybe you're peaked and you've, maybe you've finished your course and you think you're done and dusted. Listen, God could still use you for the glory of God. Amen, Mac. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, in, in the kingdom of God, God is able to bring us back. Even when you think that you've, that you've done your, run your course, there's always room for God to use us. And here God has rolled out Daniel. Now they've exhausted themselves to try and find anything in the natural. So now they say, they come up with this. They say, look, 
If we need to find something regarding him, regarding the law of his God, that we can use against him. So now they turn to the, the Bible or to the word of God that Daniel is serving. We'll find something there. Now they realize he's a man of prayer. Everybody knows he's a man of prayer. He prays three times a day. He doesn't do it in secret. Everybody knows this is a man of prayer. Three times a day, Daniel was regular in these times of prayer. He was known as a man of prayer. Isn't that amazing, guys and girls, I might add? Wouldn't you be like to be known that you're a man or a woman of prayer? Hallelujah. Well, may God raise up men and women of prayer again in this nation. Raise them up. Hallelujah. Prayer is the answer to all that we need done in this nation so they knew he was a man of prayer three times a day he opened up his windows and he faced Jerusalem we never actually did get to Evan and Miriam's house up there in Hadness and the Golan for the trip that we took to Israel guys but Evan being an architect as well but Evan in his house when I've stayed in his house he has a window and in that window you you know you're facing towards Jerusalem. So it was great. I spent many times there. And I used to always, when I'm praying, used to always read those verses. I'm praying towards Jerusalem, literally from the Galilee all the way down there as well. Glory to God. What a great man he was. So they were probably looking. So we know that he's a man of prayer. So they were going to conjure something up there to come against him with that. What's the secret of this man's wisdom? They must have been thinking and his discernment. Why is he still so strong and sharp? They reckon he was about 80 at this time. 80. Glory to God. We need to stop this man praying through the penalty of death and we know which he won't do. So we're going to stop this man. We need to cut off this man's prayers. So obviously they came up with this wonderful idea. Let's get, go to the king and say we've made a decree that nobody's allowed to pray for 30 days to nobody other than you, O great and wonderful king. And so that was it. They came up with a plan. That sounded a great plan. And, um, and they, were, they were sitting there pulling their heads together, that would be, and they came up and thought, this is a perfect plan for us. Now they had another problem. Now they had to go and sell that plan to the king. Now we know that King Darius was very fond of Daniel, that he was, very, he was wanting to raise this man up, make him his number one man. So they had to go now and sell that to him, knowing that that would cause problems with Daniel. And what did they do? First of all, they lied to him, don't they? So they have to go now and convince, or I should say deceive the king. To deceive him with the trickery of their tongues, just like the devil isn't he, is a tricky character. And to make that decree for 30 days. So they lie, because what? Daniel's not in agreement with this. Daniel's not part of that little group coming together to come and lock their heads together and come up with this plan. So they lie to him, and the king thinks that Daniel is part of that group there as well. So what made this king? How did they sell it to him? Probably his ego, maybe his pride. Or maybe it sounded like a really good idea for someone to control the kingdom. If everybody could look at you and believe, not only that they weren't declaring them to be God, but they could have been declaring that this was God's representative, like the God-man. And there's nothing new about that in history. You've always seen people in ancient times declare themselves to be the God-man or to have divine origins. The pharaohs claimed to have divine origins to the gods, not necessarily. Some of them probably did maybe claim to be gods, but others were they were the God-person on this earth, and therefore people had to worship them. We've seen that in the days of the pharaohs. We've seen it down through many other places. You could probably see that with the, the Greek culture as well. Alexander claimed to be the son of Zeus. And many other the great Greek leaders as well claimed to be divine origins. Or their divine origin was from the heavens themselves. They were God's men upon the earth. The Caesars as well. Many of the Caesars claimed the divine origins. That people had to worship them and give glory to them. And that's what the early church ran into 
great problems. We could probably see it in modern times. Adolf Hitler. Did Hitler not think he was claiming divine uh, or wanted the worship of the people? Remember the sign? For, for, for Hitler, when he prayed in the streets, it was the sign that the Caesars got as well. It was a hail Adolf Hitler. Or you've got this man, even now at this moment in time, King Jong-il over there in North Korea, who claims to be a god, or certainly the son of a god. And people have to give worship to him, or else you'll be in big trouble. If you went to North Korea, statues all over the place of this man, and, um, and if you don't bow down to that and acknowledge that, who he is, then you're in big trouble. We can see that off Nebuchadnezzar as well. Remember Nebuchadnezzar and he put up the great statue at 90 feet high? I wonder who that big statue looked like. It doesn't tell us. I'll tell you this, it probably resembled very much like Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold. And, um, and people were what? Told to bow down. So if you would want to control this great kingdom, if you could claim divine stature, that would be a great way to control the people because everybody then was going to be in awe of you. Hallelujah. And give homage to you. So he probably sold to him like that and went, oh, that's a great idea. And thinking everybody was on board, then his ego got the better of him and he agreed to this for 30 days that you are not allowed to pray and to any other God to this man for 30 days. But he falls into the trap, doesn't he? Because we quickly realize once the words, he signs the, the legislation which cannot be repealed, once it's signed, it's signed. And Daniel's fate was, was ordered we know that he couldn't get out of it. It reminds us of the woman Eve when the Lord came into the Garden of Eden when they had eaten of the forbidden fruit. When everybody was passing the buck and the buck stopped with Eve and she says, the serpent deceived me. Hallelujah. You know, that's why Jesus says, do not be deceived in these latter days. We've got a very tricky enemy, my friends, and it's so easy to be deceived today, even today. And that's why it says the serpent, and he is still busy deceiving us, even within the church. And we can see that as well taking place here as well. You see, the enemy knows the power of prayer. Interesting, it says, stop the prayers. The enemy knows the power of prayer. But I've got down here, but does the church? But does the church? Hallelujah, I was saying again on Friday night, and you know, and I know as you say Friday night, we can be tired, and I know it can be not, maybe not everybody can come to the house of prayer but did Jesus not say, my house shall be called a house of prayer? Hallelujah. And we can all pray in our own houses. And thank God I pray in my own house as well. But there's a place to come to as a congregation that we can gather. And, um, and I would encourage us all, if we can get to the house of prayer like never before, we need to be a people that are praying. That's why I've got down here. Let's bring it nearer to home. Does the church know about the power of prayer? And more importantly, do you know the power of prayer? I think sometimes we need to actually give ourselves a joke Prayer is everything, Brent. It's like it's like it's like the, the it's like the birds need the air to fly. Like fish needs the oxygen. That needs like fish need the water to swim in, and you know. So do we also. We need prayer, 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 and prayer. That's why God has given us. It's a language that God understands. When you want to communicate with God, you communicate to God through prayer, and that can just be having a conversation. But it's in prayer. Hallelujah. So if you cut off the prayer, you cut off your communication with God. So all of a sudden now we're not relating to the King of Kings, and to the Lord of Lords. Well, certainly Daniel knew the power of prayer. Three times a day. It's like, you know, they always say that, three square meals a day. <laughs> Wouldn't it be interesting if we could turn that around? I remember saying to someone, he's not in the fellowship just now, and, um, but he was so busy, always so busy. He's worked, I mean, a, a very high-profile job, constantly just exhausted. And, you know, he's saying, do you know what I just feel? I says, you know what you need to do? 
I says, see when you're driving these long distances, whether it was down in London or whether it was out of Scotland, I says, do a pit stop. Pull in at the side of the road and then just take 10 minutes and just 10 minutes, just bow your head in the car, spend 10 minutes in prayer and then get both back on again on your journey. Do you know something? God will honor that. God will honor that. Because some of us have got very busy lives and you can say, but I've, I've not got any time to pray. I've said, listen, you've not got any time not to pray. You can always find time. And even if it's just a short time, God will understand the short time. And the most important thing is that you're on God and you just pull in and it might just be about three or four times a day and just spend and say 15 minutes and then you can move on about your journey and you will be the richer for that. We can always make it, oh, I've not got time, like I can't. Or you can always find time for that, which is important. As I say, Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Wasn't that long ago, if you can remember, brethren, uh, when uh, our government closed our churches, closed our churches. In fact, in Scotland, they made it a criminal offence to attend church. So closed our churches. So no, we won't have churches, so we won't have any houses of prayer. We closed them all, and it was put into a criminal offence if you were caught going to church. And then, not long after that, they allowed a few, can I say, pathetic believers, then they could attend church only if they wore masks and kept their mouths closed and obeyed two meters distance rule. I mean, have you ever heard of anything so ridiculous when they eventually did allow us to come back to church or they began to cave in to some of the pressure? And it says, well, okay, you can come to church, but you have to wear a mask and you're not allowed to sing or to pray. And I remember once listening, it was a praise and worship leader, and he was rejoicing before God, and he says, well, they'll never be able to silence the singing from my heart. I might be sitting there with a mask on, not saying a word from my mouth, he says, but my heart is singing before the Lord and, and giving glory to God. And I thought, you know something, we can always try and appease a bad situation and try and make it work for you. I might add, and I don't mind being on um, camera as I say this as well, this church never closed. Four days, actually. Yes, the church closed, but do you know our morning prayer meetings, and there's witnesses in this room to justify that, do you know that our morning prayer meetings continued in this church? Because we prayed every morning, and our prayer meetings every morning went on in this church and continued in this church. I thought, well, who's going to be interested in 7 o'clock and a few people coming in and sitting through the back there and praying? I went like this, we will never be silenced in prayer. Yeah, the church closed for a number of weeks, and then as the story goes, we opened up. And as the story goes on as well, then we took the battle to the courts. I was happy to be one of 27 who took the, the government to task. We took them to court. And guess what? We won. Hallelujah. That the government had no right to close the church. They had no right. Hallelujah. And that battle was won. And it's in the log books now. So they won't be able to shut the churches down as they did before because of a battle that was taken forward before the Lord. Glory to God. Just thought I'd throw that in there, just a little bit of a memory, not to say anything out with that. So do we see the enemy wants to stop prayer. It wants to stop prayer. And he's now he would come against us. Listen, that's exactly what the devil is doing today. And now let me bring us forward to today, and unless you are not aware. He is establishing ungodly rules and regulations. New laws have been brought into our country that are totally opposed to the word of God, totally and utterly opposed to this word. We've got new rules, new laws, new decrees that are issued now, and this word now has become offensive. And now they're using this word against us because now 
of these new laws and new legislation. I won't have to get into them. You'll know that regarding sexuality and all of these things as well. So it's now, if anybody wants to quote this word, they are considering this is hate speech because it goes against the new rules and regulations that they've brought in. And this is what they're busy doing as we speak. We could probably see that with our Stuart because that's exactly what's happened with Stuart. They have not pointed a finger. They have not picked up on Stuart and say he wasn't, he wasn't doing his job properly or he wasn't doing this properly. There's nothing about what Stuart was doing at work that they could put the finger on. But what they've came against him is because of his beliefs. And then they've trolled through. They were, they were, they were hunting him. They just trolled through his, his personal little Facebook pages and other pages that he might put up there. They've even visited some of, some of his preaching. They've actually trolled through this. Ha ha! He said this or he said that. He said something else that would go against the new rules and regulations that this nation now has brought into for. And now they've found fault. But glory to God. May God vindicate him. See, today what we're seeing is this is how the enemy is working. He's demonizing this book, the Bible. He's declaring it to be full of hate speech. You know, people come up to him all the time. When we did the eight cities, one message, remember people come up and like, hate speech, hate speech, screaming in my face because I was speaking about things that the Bible says actually that made declared. And because I was speaking them out in public on a mic in the middle of high streets, it was causing offense um, to some people. Quite a lot of people actually, it would amaze you. So we can see all of these things are happening even now in this culture in which we find ourselves even there. What's going on? You ever find, what's going on today? Do you ever, you ever have a look at our nation just now and you think, why, how on earth did we get here? How, what is happening today as we look across our nation? Our nation is under attack, spiritual attack first and foremost. It's actually turning things upside down. There's a, an expression in Germany, it was crystal night if I'm pronouncing that properly, and that was, they call it, the night of broken glass. That took place on the 9th of November, 1938. And that was when Hitler had came to power, 19, early 1930s, 1931, or 33. Um, and then he started to demonize the, the Jews in particular, but he attacked many different people, but he started to vilify the Jews and attack the Jews as a people. And then in the 1930, 9th of November, 1938, that was the night they called it Crystal Night. And that was the night of broken glass. 1,400 synagogues were burned. And the Hebrew Bible, Torah scrolls, which was the Hebrew Bible, was actually a lot of our Bible, was ripped, burnt publicly, paraded through the streets. They brought it out and they were torching and ripping the Bible up, ripping the Torahs up, the 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 totally massive attacks upon the Jewish people, but 1,400 synagogues were burnt that night and the Bibles were getting burnt publicly in big squares and everybody was ripping them up and destroying them. See, Hitler wanted to tear it into shreds. He wanted to do away with the Judean Christian heritage because he was wanting to bring in a new order just as we're wanting to see today. You ever heard the expression, the new world order? The only way you can get a new world order is you have to deal with the old order. And what we're starting to see is that old order that we once lived under, which is Judean Christian, is actually being systematically destroyed while they're busy bringing in a new one. And so what they've got to do is, is deal with this word, which they've been attacking for some time now. This word has been undermined. This word is under attack. And for, first of all, just as what we've seen there with Hitler, there's a spiritual principle to this, then they were having to destroy 
that word first and foremost. I think I've left my um, my little book. Linda, could you get into the office and get my little um, diary? Thank you. Glory to God. So what we're seeing today, guys, we are seeing everything is under attack just now. And this word of God that we hold dear is under attack. And I want to tell you this, the day is coming more and more and more with this word. First of all, they have to attack this word and then they're going to start attacking us. Amen? As Christians, will we hold up to it? Will we stand firm upon this word? Or are we going to be forced to actually to deny the word or certainly be silent and not stand up because of this word? You know, we have got a very rich history, brothers and sisters. Can I add to you? You don't realize it's actually, it was God that made this nation great. You've got a man called John Knox. There was actually three men that God raised up um, at a time when, um, when the nation when actually was being under the power of Rome. And, um, and I want to tell you this, the Catholic Church did certainly did not encourage their people to be reading the word of God. In fact, the word of God was kept from the, from the people. And, um, and, and they were kept in a place of darkness, which gave great power to the priesthood. That is a common fact, and you can actually trace that back to history. And you could see that. And thank God they had men that, you know, Martin Luther and others who rose up and fought against that. that everybody should have had the right to have the word of God in their lap to be able to read it themselves. Well, we had a great man, John Knox. And John Knox was a man who wanted to see every person could read and write. And so the church was a bedrock for teaching because back then, if you didn't have a, a rich household, you were kept in a place of illiteracy. And he wanted everybody to be literate so wide so they could read and write and also so they could read the Word of God. Most homes, most people grew up reading the Word of God. Did you know that? Do you know that Scotland, and it was came off the back of Knox as it moved forward, do you know that Scotland was the envy of Europe back then and right into the 1600s and the 1700s? Do you, know, do you know that we were the most literate nation in the whole of Europe? Why? Because of the legacy of John Knox and our forefathers of the church, which insisted that poor and rich alike, everybody had the ability to read and write. We know if you go to African countries, you go to countries in India, that people there, for you to get people out of poverty, you have to educate them, give them the ability to be able to read and to write, and that's what's going to educate them, is going to help them to rise up. Scotland was once known, and certainly Europe, if not the world, as a powerful nation, and everybody used to come here to be educated. Did you know that? that this nation, this little nation called Scotland. Why? Because we recognized the power of God and how God, we had to read the scriptures and we were trained in them, John Knox. So what we've seen today, and I want to again just bring um, to our attention that we are seeing that things are under attack. This word ultimately is under attack and we're seeing many Christians are now coming under attack for what they believe. To silence them, to get them to shut up with fear of, hey, you'll be in the lion's den. Or, you know, you'll lose your job. If you continue to speak out and say anything against what we say is right, and I say something is wrong. I mean, I've in a democracy, I've got every right to say, well, I, I don't believe a man and a man and a woman and a woman can be married. But that's just my, that's, that's my right to say that that's what I believe. And somebody says, well, I believe that they are able to be married. Well, that's their right in a democratic country to say that's what they want to believe. By the same token, can I, can I not say that I don't think that's right? And I don't agree with it. Is that not a right of, in a democracy? Yeah. 
I'm not saying stone them, put them into a lion's den. That's all I'm saying is I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. And you can say, well, I do agree with it. And I say, I don't agree with it. Why then should I get penalized and you don't get penalized because you say that you agree with it? So who actually is the victims in this? Because we dare to go against what they are now bringing into law and enforcing upon us. Now, what you don't actually, probably have read this before, but I'll just read it again. It's Alice Bailey, and you can Google Alice Bailey, and it's a 10-point plan that she came up with basically to destroy our Judean Christian heritage because they want to get rid of this. They want to get rid of this book. What they want to do is we need to find a new law to govern the world, and all the world needs to come in to sync with this. It's called the New World Order for this. And Alice Bailey's 10-point plan. Now, listen to the 10-point plans. I've read them before, but it's good to read them again, Okay. Number one, take God in prayer out of the education system. Well, I think we've actually seen that just now. I mean, Kath in the mornings will pray that, um, that our father prayer was very common in their schools now. And what they've done is, let's take that out. Reduce parental authority over their children. Have you ever found that, parents, now? You ever find that now that they're actually taking, you know, you're not allowed to smack your child? Listen, smacking a child never killed anybody. My mother used to come in and give us the belt. Now they say you can't even give a child a wee smack in the backside when they step out of order. That There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not going to, it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's a perfect right as a parent to be able to do that. But now they say this. Destroy the Judean Christian family structure. Now we're seeing families now are being devastated and being destroyed. And, um, and, and we see that taking place as well. If sex is free then make abortion legal and make it easy. Now, she, she died in 1949, but she left this legacy and United Nations actually are working on this. So if sex is free, then make abortion legal and make it easy. Five, make divorce easy and legal. Free people from a lifetime commitment. And all of these things are against the principles of God because as I said, we did a wedding last Saturday. My daughter was married in this church and again, it was God bringing a man and a woman together and making a covenant. And I remember I clearly says, and that's is forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. That's the agreement. It's for better, for worse, for richer, poorer, in sickness and in health. This is the commitment you're making before God into that legal there. And what's this again? It's coming against it. Make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. Debase art, make it run mad. Use media to promote and change mindsets. Guys, do you realize that, the, that pornography now is not only a billion dollar industry, it's a trillion dollar industry. Do you know that it's like everywhere, anywhere? Do you know that, that it's like, it's just, you can't escape it. People, at the flick of a button, it is all over the place and it changes mindsets. Listen, it changes people. It actually sexualizes them in a way that is never that is totally and utterly unhealthy create an interfaith movement and then number 10 is get the government to make all of these into law and get the church to endorse these changes so now get the government to make these things into law and then the church has got to endorse the changes guys there's things now getting made into law now law in this nation They've made it a law, which means you could get criminalized if you stepped out of line and you said anything against these laws that they are bringing in now, which actually are totally against the word of God. Can I say again, as the people of God here this morning, what are we seeing taking place? The enemy is busy. He's busy, he's running around and he is changing things. 
and he now is going to use this word against us. Can I assure you this? This word is going to get used against ministers now. You know, people can look and they can listen to me speak and they can visit this on, the, on live and then people eventually will come to me and then eventually I could get into trouble because I've said something that they would say that is intolerable and in a society, they want everything has to be inclusive. Everybody wants to, needs to be inclusive now and everything has to be brought into the picture when the Bible actually has got guidelines and rules which were healthy and good and made us the nation that we were. It made us the world that what we were. Christianity was the best thing that ever happened to the world. When God was given his place, we knew our place. The Bible says to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being, and love your neighbor as yourself. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could go into the regions where the people are warring and killing each other just now, whether that would be in Israel or Gaza, or whether that would be in Ukraine or many other places just now when people are running around killing and destroying one another. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the whole world could be brought into a place where we could love God and love my brother or my sister as myself? Isn't that too, the, Jesus emphasized these two very principles when the push came to shove. He says, what is the greatest of all the laws? To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to love your brother as yourself. Hallelujah. What a wonderful world we would have if we could model this. Glory to God. But as the world learned its lesson, no, the world is upside down, friends. The world is upside down. Scotland is the suicide capital of Europe. Its drug deaths are through the roof. We, 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 we think we're getting more and more educated. 21st century, you think we'd be doing better at doing life, wouldn't you? After all the history that we've came through as humanity, you think, we'd have, you think we'd have got a good template now to be able to live and enjoy this world and everybody could enjoy the world and everybody could be looking after one another. Don't you think that would be a good thing? And yet here we are in the 21st century at this time and guess what? The world is still upside down and warring against each other and we see all of these things. There's only one person who can come and bring peace to this world and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this, we need to be praying for that. We need to be praying Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus. But I just wanted to emphasize these things, guys, to us this morning. That we need to be a people who are a people of prayer. We need to open up our voices and maybe you haven't been praying as much as you used to do. Maybe you haven't prayed at all. I want to tell you this. Prayer is key for you personally and for us as a nation. Let us cry out to the living God. Let's ask God to intervene. Let us, like Daniel, refuse to be silent, be able to cry out to the living God, intercede, stand in the gap, stand before the living God, crying out for this nation. And I do that most mornings whether it's here or whether it's someplace else, I'm crying out to God again for my nation, Scotland. Why? Because I'm jealous for my nation. I look back at my nation's history. I look at the state of my nation just now. And if you think Scotland's in a good place, my friends, I don't know, where you're, I don't know what kind of nation you're looking at. Our nation is in a dreadful place, a dreadful place. But guess what? God could still come and rescue us and lift us back up again as he did in the past. And that is my prayer that God is going to come and visit with this nation. Let us take a leaf out of Daniel's book this morning. Three times a day, Daniel got on his knees before the Lord and cried out to him in prayer. Can I encourage all of us today? Do not think your prayers are going unheard. Prayer is powerful. The enemy knows that prayer is powerful. That's why the enemy wants to stop us praying as a people. 
Let us get on our knees again. Let us find our voice before the living God. Let us cry out to him and ask God's intervention. For this is the only answer to our nation or the nations of the world as we speak. Let us pray. Father, we come before you again this morning. And Lord, we open up and finish. As we opened up in prayer, we finish in prayer. Lord, we need you today. We acknowledge, Lord, that we've turned our backs upon you as a nation and as a church. That, Lord, that we have got caught up in worldliness. We've got caught up in the sin and wickedness, Lord, Father, have become the scourge of our nation. Father, we pray for our land that you again will, Father, come and move upon it. We pray today that you will hear the cries of your people, Lord God, and you will visit with us one more time as you have done in times past. We pray that you will do again in our time. That, Lord, that this nation, Scotland, again, will know you as we did before. That Scotland, once or more, will be called the nation of the book, the land of the book, the land of the covenants. Oh, Lord, we pray today. I pray, Lord, again, let your blessing fall upon us. May you strengthen us. May you give us the wisdom that Daniel knew. Lord, help us to live our lives properly, rightly. Lord, in the eyes of the world, but more importantly, in your eyes, Lord, that we might be, Lord, pleasing unto you. Lord, when the angel came and visited with Daniel, it says, you, Daniel, mighty man of God, who is pleasing unto the Lord, a man who pleases God. Father, I pray, may that be also our, Lord God, identify us, that we will be a people who please you. So I just pray your blessing now, Father, upon every single one of us. I pray you will stir us up, Lord God, to action, to prayer. I pray, Lord God, that you will speak to us and minister to us, even through the rest of this day and tonight as we come again, Lord, into thy house. Lord, if anyone doesn't know you today and needs to make their peace with you, I pray, speak to them and minister to them, Lord. Open up their hearts, Lord, and Lord, they may also come into that place of knowing you, Lord, even as we have. In the glorious name of Jesus. If there's anybody not ever made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, can I just encourage you today, these days in which we find ourselves, open up your heart to God. Open up your heart to God. Call out to him. Call upon him. And I want to tell you this, he will answer you. He will answer you. If you need to speak to me afterwards, if you want to speak to me regarding this, then please, I'm open to hear. I'm here all day. You can come and speak to me. So Father, again, we just bless you. We just give you glory and praise and honor. Amen. And amen. Thanks for watching. If you've been challenged today, then please drop a message so that we can help, support, and pray for you. And also, remember to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss the next message.